The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. Ian Castleberry and Jason Incy on the program today. Two guys we have not heard from in quite some time. They are coming up. Thanks so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. That is how more people find out about media noise. And certainly, thank you to you for joining us uh, each and every Friday. At least that's when the episode drops. I cannot control when you listen. And I hope you listen whenever you damn well please. Uh, I did not come in with the perfect intro to Scream, but first, but first, last week I consciously avoided leading off the show talking about Lee Corso because I know enough about myself to know if I start talking about college football, it will be all we talk about on the show. It is honestly my favorite sport and I do not want to be pigeonholed in that way, but I don't think if you're a college football fan, there is anything you are more interested in this weekend, even given two top 10 matchups, than will Lee Corso return to college game day. You know, I I hate to circle back on the conversation uh, that we had in the beginning of the season because I do fall into the camp of Lee Corso has earned the right to say when it is he is done on ESPN. But I do think the last two weeks, his... Uh, absence from the show and his unexpected absence from the show has overshadowed just about everything in the early college football window. I think it is easy to connect the dots between Lee Corso's absences and the recent addition of Pat McAfee. Maybe ESPN and Corso have had conversations behind the scenes uh, that made it clear that this was a move that needed to be made right now. Certainly, I do not wish anything but the best of help uh, for the Sunshine Scooter. Uh, You know, he has been such a big part of our lives on that show, but his absence and questions about his health have become so unavoidable in the last couple of weeks that truly uh, Lee Corso has become a bigger story, certainly than college game day and probably a bigger story than anything else in college football last year, or I'm sorry, uh, in the last couple of weeks, I think unless Alabama, Georgia or Ohio state lose, I'm not sure what the headliner is that could knock the overwhelming concern for uh, Corso off of the front page of every college football fan's brain. Certainly the radio world was caught by surprise when KGO ceased to exist in favor of 810 The Spread in California. Jason Incy writes about all sorts of sports betting topics for us at the site. Uh, Jason, let's start with the most obvious question. The spread is a horrible name for a radio station, right? <laughs> I, I've heard worse. Trust me, I've, I've heard worse <laughs> in years. I mean, it, it it's not great, but it's not awful. I've 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 seen and heard much worse. It does kind of tie into obviously what the majority of the programming is going to be there, sure. and it does kind of you know it does kind of lend itself a little bit. I kind of like it. Okay. All right. Agree to disagree. So tell me a little bit, and you dove into this in your column at BarrettSportsMedia.com. In the advertising-driven world of radio, 
why is a gambling-based format a smart play, even in a state without legalized gambling right now? I think we all know, you know, when it comes to, to certain vices, some more than others, if you're going to partake in it, you're going to find a way. And with gambling, you know, I'm, I'm somebody that lives in Indiana and works in Kentucky. I Gambling is not legal in Kentucky, and I still find a way. There's offshore books, there's local bookies, you know, there, there are ways around those, those regulations. I think it's two-fold. One, you've got a, a 50,000-watt station that is going to reach other states that do have legalized gambling. So it's a, it's a smart play there. And second, whether it's legal right now or not, people in California are gambling and people in California are going to go to other states to gamble. Las Vegas isn't terribly far away. Gambling is coming in that state. And by kind of putting yourself out there first and being one of the first entities to come into the state and provide that content, you're establishing a foothold in what quite frankly is considered the crown jewel of the states yet to legalize gambling. Um, you're also going to build a customer base, loyal, fan loyalty, et cetera, in that state before anybody else gets out there. So whether or not you become, you know, the big dog in the state, once it does get legalized, you've already established yourself and drawn in, a, a base of listeners that's going to be loyal to you once it does. One of the things that I thought was interesting that you po uh, pointed out, because this does seem like a very old school way of thinking, but it does play to KGO's advantage. And you just mentioned it right there. The strength of the signal, particularly at night, means this could be a little bit more of a, um, maybe not a national play, but a regional play beyond just the borders of the San Francisco metro area. And then you're dealing with laws that have nothing to do with the state of California. Yeah, I mean, BetQL and Odyssey have already established a presence in some markets uh, in Colorado, in Oregon. But those markets, those stations don't have that reach, especially like you said at night, that a 50,000 watt station does. So you're going to be able to reach even more customers, even more listeners, um, in areas where currently there is no coverage. And you know, you and I both know when it comes to radio content, people, you know, driving home from work or whatever, they flip stations or unless they're seeking something out on their streams, they're not going to come across it. By having that 50,000 watt station, by having that reach, you've now put yourself to where you might be able to find listeners that you otherwise normally wouldn't have. Um, sports gambling is is prevalent. It's all around us. And you can't watch an NFL game or college football game without being exposed to it. And now you've done that on the radio side. You're now reaching out and putting yourself out there in what was previously a void. So you mentioned we've been talking about legalization a lot. And you mentioned in your column that there are two initiatives on the ballot next month. In California, one would be retail-only uh, sports betting. The, the other would legalize um, mobile sports betting, which is sort of, I think, the, the real game-changer in these markets. But you note that you're pessimistic that either one, not, not you know, it's not a matter of which one will California choose. You think the reality is that neither of these things are going to pass. And then where does that leave, where does that leave the spread for the long term? So Prop 26 would have limited it to um, on-site books with, with tribal casinos, and Prop 27 would have allowed for the online aspect. Prop 26 was pretty much 
dead in the water just for the simple fact of people don't want to necessarily have to drive out mm. to reservations. But Pump 27, listen, that's what I, that's what I have to do in North Carolina <laughs> uh, if I want to partake in the regulated betting community. There you go. Prop 27's biggest issue is twofold. It's, it's one, it's the fact that there's only a 10% tax rate um, on these revenues, whereas you look at a state like New York, it's 51% of right. revenues are taxed. And the second issue is the fact that it will take so much money away from the tribal casinos that currently have it. They have, there's been a lot of outside funding and those from DraftKings, FanDuel, et cetera. And those companies have tried to use the homeless situation in California as a way to say, look, this will help us, you know, bring in money to help deal with the homeless situation. When in reality, to do that, it's, it's going to take more than 10%. So the biggest issue with voters has been that neither of these propositions really address the big issue of if you want to come in here, if these companies want to come in and take the money out of state, we need to keep more of it in state. It will pass eventually. It will be legalized. There's, a, there's more than enough of an appetite for it, but they've got to come back to the table and come up with a solution that keeps probably closer to 20 to 30% of those revenues in state to really address some of the major issues that the state of California has fiscally. Uh, so this is when you lose a legendary station like KGO, that is not a decision just made at the local level, like Cumulus Corporate had to sign off on that. And I wonder with them not being based in California, do you think they approved this move 100% in anticipation of one of those two propositions passing? Or do you think they were always prepared for this to be a long play? I think they were prepared for being a long play. I think it's, it, it's not something that's just come out of the blue that these two propositions are struggling. Um, it's been known er since early on that Proposition 26 was likely going to fail. And the tea leaves for the last two or three months have kind of read as Proposition 27 failing. There's a reason why almost $450 million has been spent, much of it from out of state, on trying to get one of these two, um, one of these two initiatives passed. I think this is a long-term play. One, the as we discussed earlier, the advertising-driven revenue, advertising-revenue-driven model of talk radio is very difficult to maintain right now, just in the current economic situation that we're in, as well as the fact that people are streaming so much more. They have podcasts, et cetera. Sports is is the driver of everything, whether it be the cost of your cable subscription, whether it be, you know, you look at Amazon Prime getting NFL games, sports drives everything in the media today. The ability to partner with these sports books, whether it's legal there or not, provides so much more revenue than your typical talk radio format. To go to sports gambling, especially with a state that is going to make more pushes over the next couple of years to try to legalize gambling, you're now allowing yourself to tap into that additional advertising revenue of those books, those entities coming into the state and pumping advertising. There were $11, billion or $11 million worth of ad buys over the next four weeks that got canceled by FanDuel and DraftKings. That's a lot of money, and especially just in one month. That's revenue that, that this station is going to be able to dip into as these continued initiatives pop up over the next couple of years. And then once you get it legalized, 
it's a whole new pot of money, as you've seen nationally, for what these stations can bring in. Draymond Green is probably one of the hottest properties in terms of players on the verge of entering the media, and he is in the news for all the wrong reasons over the last week and a half or so, as video emerged of that fight with Jordan Poole at Warriors practice. Ian Castleberry wrote about it for the site, and, you know, one of the things that jumped out to me, we'll get into what this might mean for Draymond's media future in a second, but I, I did think it was really interesting. I don't know if I would call it smart, but certainly you see the strategy of the Warriors trying to make the story more about the um, absolute atrocity that something like this would be leaked uh, and this private video would be made public. Yeah, that was what Steve Kerr seemed more mad about, right? He didn't care that there was a fight that Draymond Green decked Jordan Poole. It's the fact that it got (laughs) out, that there was a leak, that this wasn't kept in-house, that what would have normally just been uh, a a PR-type thing that would have been quieted down after maybe a week, you know, like, oh yeah, there was a scuffle, but you know, this happens at practice all the time. But instead there's this video of it and you see Draymond Green deck Jordan Poole. If you saw that, you know, like on a surveillance camera outside a bar or, or anything like that, you'd be, you know, you'd be horrified. You're just wheeling back and, and socking a guy in the jaw. This can't be covered up when you see video like that. And yeah, that, that's what, uh, especially Steve Kerr, but the Warriors in general, seem most upset about the media conversation around the video well the incident itself but the video too was really interesting because there was this real stark divide of exactly what you're saying of if this happened out in public we would be we would be shocked to have observed something like this but you also had a lot of voices most prominently Stephen a smith insisting like this is the kind of thing that happens on teams all the time i was i was just very interested by the idea that we so quickly separated into two camps on this yeah that that was the the first thought right that oh teammates fight you know i mean we've all played pickup basketball there's right. shoving here and there um we've seen situations we've probably all been near situations where it got ugly you know somebody felt overmatched or slighted or whatever so when you just see oh they had a fight um it, it didn't seem like quite as big a deal especially when you're talking about Draymond green who we know who is an antagonist who likes to get under people's skin <laughs> right who pushes things too far. And we've seen him actually strike players, you know, whether quote unquote accidentally, you know, <laughs> kicking out a kicking out a leg and, and nailing Steven Adams in, in the groin or whatever. Uh, but again, we actually have the video and, and we can't, uh, th- this can't just be uh, dismissed uh, as boys being boys or a fight, you know, like I've seen Kenny Smith uh, inside the NBA saying, Oh, this sort of thing happens uh, all the time. I, I don't know if it happens like that. Yes, people shove, punches get thrown, but to actually land a punch, um, you know, Bobby Portis uh, chimed in on this. That's also something that's been interesting is to see the other NBA players chime in on this. And Bobby Portis, notable because he punched uh, uh, Nikola uh, uh, Miritich when when they played for the Chicago Bulls. Bulls, And that was really serious because he broke Miritich's face, right? I mean, yeah. uh, Mirtich needed surgery. So again, that was a situation where it's not boys being boys. And I don't know if you can compare this situations. We don't know what led up to that fight, but the fact that Portis's punch landed Mirtich in the hospital, uh, you know, escalates that far beyond what we've seen here. Uh, I think the fact that Jordan Poole apparently is okay with this. He didn't want Draymond Green to get suspended. 
that you Steph know, Curry that too. The been, whole the whole Warriors team seems to have uh, rallied to that side. Right, uh, probably because they know what's at stake. Right, if you suspend Draymond Green, maybe you lose him uh, at least mentally for the season. And this is a team that wants to run it again. That thinks mm-hmm. they have another chance at a championship. So they want to just you know get past this. Let's see if we can uh, defend our title. Draymond Green probably going to move on uh, after the season, but for now they know uh, even if Green's skills are diminished, especially from an offensive standpoint that they're probably not going to win a championship without Draymond Green. So if Draymond moves on after the season, and that's what we are all thinking, in fact, that's what Draymond says his plan is to do right now. We know he's got a deal lined up with Turner. We know he does a podcast already for the volume, the network owned uh, by Colin Cowherd. Cowherd seemed to take the stance that, like, look, this is not okay, talking about it from a from a basketball standpoint, from a guy on your team standpoint. This is not okay. You just mentioned that Kitty Smith said these sorts of things happen. Uh, I, I wonder, do you think there's any lingering effect on the budding uh, media career here for Draymond Green? Uh, I think it actually helps his media career, right? Suddenly, uh, Green becomes this, you know, oh, he's the guy who punched one of his teammates. Like, it, if I mean, anything, look, look where him... he's going. Look who the face of TNT basketball is right now, right? It's it's Charles right. Martin. Yeah, maybe people will tune in thinking, you know, Draymond and Shaq are, are going to, you know, <laughs> trade blows, uh, you know, while running to the to uh, to the big screen trying to beat Kenny Smith. Um, I don't think it affects his media career. Uh, well, I, I guess I think it'll help his media career. I don't think it diminishes anything. I don't think it makes him less hireable. If anything, I think it makes him more compelling, more engaging of a personality more uh, somebody that that viewers are more uh, willing to to tune in for uh, each night this concludes our broadcast day thanks for listening to the media noise podcast with dimitri ravanos be sure to subscribe on itunes and leave a review and check back soon for new episodes to stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings visit barrettsportsmedia.com